At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. We're so pleased you have joined us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, delighted to have you on board. We come to you every week with a discussion of issues and facts that affect caregiving, that carers and uh, care recipients, as well as the general public, not directly involved in caregiving, but you all will be someday. It's a pleasure to be on with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol, as many of you know, is executive director of the WellMed uh, Charitable Foundation. She's the past chair of the board of directors for the National Council on Aging. She's been reappointed as a member of the Raised Family Caregiving Advisory Council under the Federal Department of Health and Human Services, and they have sent a list of comprehensive recommendations on how to streamline and improve caregiving across this country. Carol is one of Next Avenue's top 50 influencers on aging. And Carol, uh, we have an interesting topic coming up, and, and that is talking about people pleasers, attitudes, and caregiving. Well, you know, it's it really is an interesting topic. I think many caregivers want to please everyone, right? We want to please the person we're caring for. We want to please our family members. We just want to be everything to everybody. And last time I checked, none of us are wearing capes. And you can't be perfect no matter how hard you try. There you go. So well, well, that's let's a way talk to introduce to the expert. Our, let me introduce our expert guest, Natalie Oliver. Uh, Dr. Oliver is a clinical social worker, has a doctorate in social work, and a gerontologist as well. She teaches full-time at Tarleton State University, the Waco campus, and the School of Social Work. She's also an adjunct professor at McLennan Community College in the Nursing Home Administration Program, and she is an advocate for those affected by Alzheimer's disease. It's a passion of hers. She's volunteered with the Alzheimer's Association in a number of capacities since 2007. And Dr. Oliver, it is great to have you on board. Thank you so much. But after you gave Carol's, uh, her introduction, I'm thinking maybe we should interview her too. <laughs> well, she's forgotten more than I'll ever know about caregiving. That is for sure. And it's it's always a pleasure to co-host these shows with her. What got you involved in this topic? Why, for Natalie, was caregiving, people-pleasing, and issues involved in that important to you? Sure. Before I do that, let me say I'm teaching full-time at MCC now. So I'm not at Charlton anymore, but I'm the adjunct position I had, I'm full-time. So I wanted to correct that. But what got me into caregiving was um, back when I was at Baylor getting my master's in gerontology, we had an assignment where we had to spend the night in a nursing home. I was exposed for the first time that I knew of to people with Alzheimer's. I fell in love and knew I was going to serve it in some capacity, whether it's working with the older population, working with their carers and families, or teaching students how to work with them. And so that is how I got into working with older adults and then 
just um, volunteering, like I used to volunteer with the Alzheimer's Association. And so, and then I've done counseling with caregivers and older adults. So it just, it just was a natural progression. It was a good fit for you. Yes. And, you know, I get asked a lot, oh, did you have this special relationship with your grandparents? No, I mean, I had a regular relationship. I never grew up thinking I want to work with 65 and up, but that was where I found, where I found my gift was and my calling. It is not with under 18, but I love 65 and up, so. Well, Natalie, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that you spent the night in the nursing home. We interviewed someone who got who admitted themselves to to find out about the care their loved one was getting, and they got kicked out of the nursing home. So I think it's wow. great that they let you in. That's a pretty interesting story, Natalie. Uh, the, the woman's husband uh, had dementia, and she uh, moved in with him in, in the memory unit uh, and, and discovered that they weren't treating them the way she thought they ought to be treated. For example, they had taco day, but none of the fixins, no salsas, nothing. And so she complained to the administration. And of course, their answer, which was despicable, well, they don't know the difference. Her point was, that's not the point. Let's treat these folks the way we treat ourselves. And as Carol pointed out, they changed the rules at that memory unit. No relatives, nobody could stay there other than those who were admitted. That is awful because, you know, a, a lot of times assisted livings, nursing facilities, they pride themselves on what's called person-centered care, where they do look at the person as a whole person and not just what they're diagnosed with. So that's heartbreaking to hear that. I really, um, I hope they got their loved one out of there. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope maybe, it's changed, maybe, too. Maybe things have changed since then. Yeah. But, you know, it, it does sound like um, you've gone on from, you know, being a student to, to helping other people also follow uh, in your career path? Yes, I have found, you know, I was just fortunate that I had a professor at Baylor when I was getting my business degree in undergrad who just wrote the word gerontology. I went to a luncheon because it was free. I was a poor college kid. That's how I got introduced. I didn't know what gerontology was. And then I, I fell in love with it. I never, it was not an intention. I didn't know I had that that love and passion in me. And so my hope is that I do pass that on to students, whether it's teaching nursing home administration or it's when I've taught social work in the past as well. Now, for those who just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and we're talking with Natalie Oliver. Uh, Dr. Oliver has a doctorate in social work. She's a clinical social worker and a gerontologist. And we're talking about how she became involved in providing help, counseling, and guidance for those working with people who may or may not have dementia. And one of the things that I want to come back to, uh, uh, Natalie, is the whole question of people pleasers, wanting to do it right, do it best, uh, never making a mistake. Uh, I'm going to be the best caregiver in the universe. That's a prescription for failure, is it not? It definitely is. And the the the, the thing that stuck out to me is that I am recovered people pleaser. And so I shared that when I did the presentation because I, one of the uh, problems with being a people pleaser is you overcommit yourself and then you don't have that energy for yourself. And so what would happen is I would overcommit and say yes. And then when the time came down to it, I was exhausted and I wouldn't go. And so my, my girlfriends would always go, oh, it's no show, Natalie. That was eye opening to get that term because I thought I always stuck with what I committed to do. And so that was one of them. And then just, you know, getting older, maturing and just realizing I can't do it for everyone. And self-preservation and self-care is not selfish. 
because I can't help others if I'm falling apart physically and emotionally. So how do you help other people? How do you, how do you help other people to see that they're a people pleaser? Well, we, we look at the signs. We talk about, you know, when I am doing counseling or just caregiver support, we look at those signs. Are you having trouble saying no? Or have you lost your identity? Do you not know who you are unless you're pleasing someone else? Are you a giver because you're hoping, oh, if I do this, others will do this back for me? So we need to look at those intentions of why we're doing things. Do you automatically apologize even if you didn't even do it? wrong. That's just, you want to make things better. Um, And then do you not even advocate for your own needs because you just don't think you're worthy of that? And so those are just some of the things we look at when I'm talking to someone who is sharing with me some of the symptoms that I'm seeing. Okay. It looks like people pleasing. What what are the symptoms that you would see? Sure. Um, I would, they have a lot of times they'll have depression and anxiety which is understandable. You're anxious, you're stressed because you've made all of these commitments. And so again, you're wanting to be needed and and that's your identity. And so you just, that's what you end up doing. And so you start neglecting yourself. Do they have low self-esteem? So again, only bringing that value when I help others. Did they learn early on in relationships, maybe with their parents or their caregivers that, hey, the only way I'm going to get approval is if I do certain behaviors. Did they have some kind of trauma where were they abused as a child? Were they in a domestic violence relationship where if it's safety, you know, I've got a people please because I know if I don't what the repercussions are. So it can be something very small to something really huge. So we just really have to delve into that to see what's going on and why you can't say no. So what, do people, you described yourself as, as a recovering people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do to recover? Sure. Well, I think first of all, you've got to realize that you definitely have to get out of denial. And so one of the things is just evaluating what am I saying yes to and what am I following through? That's one of my things that I had to do. Another one is really evaluating when I'm being kind, doing something for someone else. What's my intention? Am I just wanting to be nice and do it? Or am I trying to control the situation or manipulate it? Um, Also, practice putting myself first. I had to really practice on saying it's okay for me to set boundaries and say, no, I've got to take care of me. Um, I had to learn to be decisive and not let others make decisions for me. And something else that someone taught me, a coworker, which I love, she said, ride that pause out. You know, a lot of times we don't like the silence, and so we have to hurry and answer. And so she said, ride that pause. You don't have to automatically agree to something. Just ride it and see. And so those were some of the things. And then also just t- uh, telling myself to practice the advice I've given others of grace. Wow, I'm so good at giving others grace on things. But when it came to myself, I didn't. I felt like I had to be perfect. Intellectually, I knew I couldn't, but for some reason, I still had that goal. And so really just taking that own advice of grace and going back to that, I cannot take care of someone else if I can't take care of myself. Now, how do feelings of guilt play into this? Because a lot of folks will say, you know, I don't want to say no, because then I feel guilty. I want to be able to help somebody. I want to be able to do whatever they're asking. And if I say no, I'm going to feel terrible about that. 
Well, again, we got to go look back and see, is it a two-sided relationship or is it one? Is this person only uh, your friend or calling on you because of what you do for them? Or is it actually a mutual relationship? And so that's one of the things. Another one is we have to work through that guilt. And I've done sessions on um, trainings on what I call the hidden patient, which is the actual caregiver, because a lot of times I'm training them to learn how to accept help how to ask for help and realize that no one caregiver can do it all and do it perfectly. And so those are the main things I would suggest. Now, hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. We're talking with Natalie Oliver. She has a doctorate in social work, a clinical social worker, and a gerontologist. And we're talking about uh, ways in which the people pleasers uh, perhaps ought to step back a moment and get a sense of why they are a people pleaser. Stick with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Well, thank you so much for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. We're delighted to have you with us. We come to you every week with a discussion of an issue, a problem, some accomplishments involved in caregiving with more than 60 million caregivers across this country, but most thinking they are the Lone Rangers. We try to bring you the latest information and help that can make that job easier and more manageable. Caregiver SOS On Air takes a look at trends across this country. We provide tips on how to be a better caregiver, and most importantly, where you can go for help. On Caregiver SOS On Air, we try to give you what you need to make that caregiving manageable and to provide you with the help that can make your life easier. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel and I are delighted to co-host this program, and we're thrilled you've joined us on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air podcast available everywhere, brought to you by WellMed Charitable Foundation. Hello, friend. We are so pleased you are sticking with us right here on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air. We're available not over, not only over the air on the radio, but on podcast as well. Wherever you get your podcast, odds are you can find Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. We're talking with Natalie Oliver. Uh, she has a doctorate in social work, a clinical social worker, and we've been talking about people-pleasing, people-pleasers. And Natalie, let's back up for a moment. What is the impact of people pleasing and backing off of that, of finally saying, no, I'm not going to do that? Well, first of all, some of the effects of the actual people, people pleasing is you can start having resentment in your relationships because all of a sudden you're becoming a martyr and you're saying, I always say yes. And the thing about that is some people don't even realize the sacrifices that you are making. Now, some do. Some are manipulating, but some of them don't. And so resentment can happen and that can leak into relationship issues because if you're always stressed or angry, then of course that can cause some conflict in relationships. Other effects of people pleasing can be loss of identity. Who are you? What do you know yourself? Do you know what your own needs are because you're so used to responding to other people's needs? And then we have what it's called role conflict. And I just made up the term chameleon effect. Kind of like if you're a people pleaser where you're saying yes to friend A and yes to friend B. Well, what if they're total opposites and friend A and B talk? Well, then you're kind of looking 
an idiot because you're so worried about pleasing them, you're not even having your own opinion. So those are just some of the effects um, that you can have by people pleasing. Well, what about if you stop being a people pleaser? Does that what does that do to the people around you? If you suddenly, like you, you said you recovered, did people notice that you changed? That you started saying no and setting boundaries? Okay, it's time for a therapy session. <laughs> I'll tell you. So um, it's really hard at first, and that's where you you have to delve deep in, and you've got to have self confidence, and you have to reframe your mind and really believe that you are worthy because it's not going to work until you do. So when I first started setting boundaries of my time, my emotional energy, I, you're going to get pushback. If you have always done something, and all of a sudden you set that boundary. People, you're going to see the nasty side of people. You're going to see the confused side of people. But then what you do is you have to educate others how to treat you. So the good thing is with new people, you can start fresh with that. But all of your past relationships, it's going to take re-educating, re-educating. It's kind of like a broken record. No, I can't. And another thing that I, I had to learn and that I share with others is I don't have to go into a big explanation. I can tell you, no, I don't have time today. I'd like to help you later. But we have in society a lot of times, especially as people, we think we have to explain everything. So I, I give that validation to clients and I had to give it to myself that I don't have to explain everything because I'm just as important as this person feels they are. Well, so I'm there's no need right to any- say. Go ahead, Carol. No, I was just going to have Natalie write an email I need to send to somebody. That was great. <laughs> so, uh, Natalie, you, you don't have to say uh, because my inclination would be, you know, I, I'm I'm really kind of changing the way I work. I, I, I've been the kind of person who always said yes and always said yes. And then I get stuck later on saying no. So I'm going to start saying no in the beginning. And I want you to understand that. I don't have to do you that, right? No, you don't have to say it. You just have, it can be by your actions and by your words that, you know, moving forward. Uh, I'll give you an example, just like teaching. When I first started teaching at a college level back in 2008, the people pleaser, I had not recovered yet. No boundaries, easy, nice, whatever. But when I started out that way and tried to get tougher, it was harder. So what I've learned now is I start out tougher and then I can soften if I need to. That's a lot easier to bounce back from. Well, that works in relationships as well. So yes, you don't have to say that, but it's with your how you how you carry yourself. How you answer, you know, just like we don't have to, just because someone texts you, you don't have to respond right then. And just because someone calls you, you don't have to answer right then. And those are hard things I really had to retrain myself on and that I try to help others with as well. And then they text you and say, didn't you get my text? Mm -hmm. I did. (laughs) And then I ride that pause. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I, what I like about what you're saying is I think, you know, um, Caregivers, we, we get into routines, right? And, and a routine can be a friend uh, so that, you know, we, we know what's expected. We know what we're going to do. And, and especially uh, for a loved one, that's a positive thing. But what I hear you saying is it's okay to have some flexibility, right? We, we, we can say no. We can be different today than we were yesterday. It's okay to have some, build in some flexibility in our own life to make sure we, the caregiver, don't get lost along the way. Definitely. I mean, and I think, you know, caregiving, we do have, there's automatically, whether you're not flexible or starting out, you're going to have to learn to be flexible. Things change and things happen. 
And so there's, you know, you can even, if you have to put it in your calendar, in your phone, that this is me time, if it has to be that formal to start, you can do that. But yes, it's, we have to be flexible. Life is about changing. And as soon as you can get past that fear of change and that fear of, oh my gosh, what if I say no? You know, again, when I go back to that, was it a mutual beneficial relationship? Because if someone only wants you because they're taking, 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 what is the benefit of that relationship? So, it, I mean, it can go deep, of really just evaluating what's going on with this relationship. And I will say, when I changed that way, I some of my friends that I thought were friends were not in my life after that. So it's a hard lesson to learn, but I'm so glad that I did because I'm not exhausted. I'm not no really anymore. And I do what is priority to me and, and my family and my values. I match what I say I value with my actions. How about the relationship with the care recipient? Uh, if you've been the people pleaser, when they ask you jump, when they wish you do X, you do X without hesitation. Uh, and then you're a recovering people pleaser. Uh, and, and for the care recipient, that may be very difficult to deal with, especially uh, if they're, for example, dealing with uh, cognitive issues. It, it, a couple of things came to mind as you were speaking. One is mostly it's your family. So you've got that history with them. And secondly, this is where a lot of times professional help can come in. And that's what I tell my clients that I've worked with is that I am not the care recipient. I am not your friend or your family. So I'm going to work objectively with you and we're going to look at this and see what can be the outcomes. But as far as with family, it takes re-education. And the thing with, you know, especially if you're working with someone with dementia or cognitive decline, like my father, he has dementia, is, you know, I have to, I mean, that's a whole nother segment, but I have to not, when I'm working with my dad with dementia, it's not about me. It's about how he, you know, what's going on with him. But I can say, dad, I can't do that right now. And sometimes I have to write it. We have a little whiteboard for him. You know, I'll be home after such and such so that he's not constantly asking my mother, where's Natalie? Where's Natalie? So you you have to definitely take into consideration when it's someone with cognitive decline and, and dementia. But it doesn't mean you still can't set those boundaries. It's just softer. You do it softer and more compassionate, remembering what what's going on with their decline. So you also teach, um, I heard you say, in the nursing home administration program. What do you tell professionals who are getting into this field? Is there anything different or else that you would add to that? Oh, for sure. We talk about, I mean, we have all the stuff that the state and national requirements require, but I also do, um, I I also touch on self-care, good mental health, and then also just assertiveness. I give them, if your staff come to you and say this, because to learn what aggressive and assertiveness is and learn how to be assertive. And assertive does not mean that you're mean. Assertive means I know my value. I know what I'm trying to get across to you. I'm doing it factually. I'm not yelling. And here are the facts. And so we talk about that. Um, and sometimes I'll post little articles are you a people pleaser? I did one one time about learning to say no. I posted it last semester on, to one of my classes and put learning to say no, and then I put except to your professor. But, you know, kidding, of course. But, yeah, we I touch on those because there's so much more than book knowledge in any of our professions. We need to 
we're, we're all a work in progress and we need to, to work on our own issues so we're not taking those out on the clients that we serve. Are you involved in caregiving for your dad as well? Yes. Now, that, like I said, they moved in. My parents moved in with my husband and I in October will be two years. And I've been working with dementia and Alzheimer's in some capacity since 2001. But now I've got the personal living with me. But, you yeah, know, they came um, almost two years ago. So they've been living and with us. my that, mom. Sure. Go ahead. I would say, what's that been like? Uh, well, my mom is the primary caregiver, but I um, am here as well. And, you know, it's taken education to family. You know, just because he lives with me doesn't mean every problem and everything. It doesn't mean I don't need their help. And so I have to re-educate family. It, um, you know, and it also is just, you know, it's so funny because when they first moved in, we don't have children. So my husband and I are used to just our own little quiet life. And so when they first moved in, I was real short with my dad. And my mom said, I thought you were a dementia expert. (laughs) I said, you know what? I'm just a daughter with y'all living me here. You know, it kind of all the knowledge went out the window. So it's taken a while and I've had to work through that. And, um, but it's been really eye-opening and it's increased my empathy to levels I didn't even know were possible for caregivers. And it's been a good experience. We play Uno every night and we, we have a good time. So I'm, I'm, they're in the next room. So I'm, you know, I said, mom, don't <laughs> let dad walk in here while I'm on this um, call. <laughs> Uh, well, from the COVID days, you know, the dogs and everything, then none, none of that bothers. Well, unfortunately, we've got to stop you right here. We are flat out of time. And we really appreciate, Natalie Oliver, you coming on with us and sharing uh, your information and your expertise on how to not be a people pleaser and why that's important. Natalie Oliver, thank you. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you soon on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. You made this happen. All your friends seated together ready for the game. Vivid Seats makes it easy to get great deals on great tickets while making you the MVP. Vivid Seats. Real rewards for real fans. Get tickets now.